0: Welcome to Language Chats. This is a podcast for language lovers in Australia and beyond, where we share our experiences of language learning with you, as well as the stories of other Australians and a few international guests who love learning, working with and communicating using other languages. I'm Beck,
1: And I'm Penny. And we'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land of which we're recording today and pay our respects to Elders past and pre- present. Today we're recording on Gugu yumitha land, Aqualand, land and Wurundjeri land. And before we kick off the episode completely properly, our special guest on Language Chats today, Carla Zuluaga,
2: will do an acknowledgement of country for us. manja <laughs>
1: Carla, we are so privileged and happy to have you on another episode with us on Language Chats. Welcome.
0: Oh, thank you
2: for having me again.
0: I'd love to be here. Uh- It's our pleasure to have you back. Um, For those who might recognize Carla's name, um, we did have Carla on the podcast back in episode, I think it was episode 42 and 43. Like two years ago? Yeah, it was probably about two years ago. Um, And we're up to episode 99 now, (laughs) Um, which is scary. But also really exciting. Um, So yeah, it's very exciting to have you back with us, Carla. Thank you.
1: (laughs) And Carla, that was a very impressive opening with your acknowledgement of country there. Tell us about the language you were speaking and where you are based these days.
2: So, um, at the moment I'm working as a community linguist in Gert Island. So that's an island, for those who don't know, it's in the Northern Territory. It's in the Gulf of Carpentaria. It's actually like the fourth largest island in Australia, which I did not know before I came here. (laughs) But um, the language that I'm speaking is Anandiliakwa. So that's spoken by about uh, 1,500 to 2,000 people, Um, mostly on Groot Island, but some in Nobuwar, Kent, Darwin. Um, But... All of them would be with family related back to this island. Um, It's a really uh, in a unique position compared to other Indigenous languages in Australia because it's still spoken across all generations. Uh, Children are using it as their first language. Um, So really lucky in that sense. Um, But it's also a really, really difficult language. So I've been here for about two and a half years, and uh, I would say that the, like, the sentences I could do are still very, very basic. <laughs> um, words, they can go for many, many syllables, many, many letters. <laughs>
0: Um, so before um, we started this recording, I was actually looking at the Anandiliakwa Land Council website um, and I saw that on there it says that linguists describe our language as having one of the most complex grammars of all the world's languages, which I guess for people who are interested in languages and have learnt some other languages, you know, people say things like, oh, German grammar is so hard. When I hear this language has one of the most complex grammars, I'm like, wow, this must be like next level. <laughs>
2: yeah yeah. whenever I see like those online lists of like most difficult languages I'm like well you've never <laughs> heard of anadiliaco before um you've got the I think for me the thing is most difficult is the verbs um that's I'm still getting my head around that because um you have a verb root and you can have like I think it's up to 13 prefixes and suffixes on that single verb so and you have to like know the subject the object there's a suffix for that and of course the usual like tense markers and things like that so i not really able to do more <laughs> verbs than like go <laughs> and, and maybe recognize a couple of others but um yeah and just trying to figure out because you've got a suffix for like the subject like who's doing the um the verb and i mean you have something like that in spanish and and stuff there's the suffix that shows you that it was like to or "yo" or whatever um but in anandiliaqua there are a lot more pronouns <laughs> to deal with you have like uh like we inclusive so that's like including the person you're talking to we exclusive like excluding the person you're talking to and it's like we lots of people we as in me and you we like <laughs> and so you have like way more variation and so it is a lot to get your head around and even get your tongue around to say these long long so, words um,
1: <laughs> that's a cheeky question but when you were offered the job <laughs> did you know what you were getting yourself into <laughs>
2: um well to be honest when i applied for the job i had no idea where i was applying for <laughs> i already had a bit of an idea of um like the kind of grammars that like a lot of indigenous um australian languages have uh, but the thing is a lot of the australian languages fall into like a group of prominent languages and they have similar grammars uh and that those language groups are like from Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, and it goes across Australia. But in the Northern Territory there are lots of groups that are not from this language group. And so their grammar is wildly different. <laughs> and Andiliak was one of those. So even though I had an idea of like what grammars were in other languages, it uh, it's, it wasn't sounds too like much the perfect th- challenge for a linguist. <laughs> oh my gosh it's it's actually been really fun like i mean for me like having learned languages before i even studied linguistics there always been a bit of a like a puzzle for me and it's really exciting to try to put it together um figure it out and everything's a win so coming here i basically had to build my knowledge of anandiliakwa from zero and so it's been really nice when I'm like, oh my gosh, I understood when you said that, and I can read something and like recognize some words. Obviously, I have a long, 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 long way to go. <laughs> it's gonna be like a lifelong learning, as as most languages. Um, but yeah, it's 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 been a challenge, but fun, a fun challenge. <laughs> it's amazing.
1: So. Take us back a little bit, Carla, to I guess your childhood, where you grew up, and how language was a part of I guess your early life, and then yeah. going into your twenties through university and how you actually became drawn to linguistics as well.
2: Yeah, so um, I was born in the Philippines, but I grew up in Australia. So. Uh, growing up, my parents didn't really speak to us in like Tagalog or Cebuano, but I did hear enough Tagalog that I kind of have a sense of when I hear it, I I can understand what it means, but not so much that I can can answer. So in the house, it was really like um, a lot of code switching between English and and Tagalog. Um, and then I first started like studying a language in high school, which I think a lot of Australians do. Um, I was studying Japanese at the time, and I absolutely loved it. And then I went to university, and I continued studying Japanese there. And then I was like, well, I'm gonna learn some other languages as well, because this is really fun. And um, I had both of my grandfathers spoke Spanish. so I was like, oh, gonna learn Spanish as well and my husband he's from Brazil so, oh I'm gonna learn Portuguese as well so that kind of just like uh you know snowballed and I just kept adding on these languages <laughs> and I just I couldn't stop because I, I really enjoy them I think they're so fascinating and it's so great when you can travel the world and and talk to people and from cultures so different from your own and and connect in a way that you can't really f- if you're not speaking that person's language Um, so it's really been a big part of my life, but I didn't really know what career I wanted to do with language. I just went to uni and thought, I want to learn languages. And I didn't know what I wanted to do with that. (laughs) So actually I was in, um, I was doing a master's degree in the, um, international public diplomacy, and i thought that was kind of the route that i was going to go with language it's like yep diplomacy international stuff you're going to need to know languages this is great um but i actually did a subject called uh comparative public policy and we had to look at a policy area in australia that uh wasn't particularly great had to make an argument for why it wasn't good look at um what other countries are doing in that space and try to see if it's something that could be applicable to Australia. So uh, it was really free. You could choose any topic. So I actually chose um, Indigenous Language Education. And it was something that, I don't know, really interested me and usually i really struggle with essays it takes me forever to write them i'm like am i at the word count yet am i at the word count yet but with this i just i just kept writing and writing and i was like oh my gosh i ran out of words like i just it was so interesting to me and i i just felt like wow like you know i i feel like this is something that i i could do I, i i would really like to know more about this and I like to be very thorough about things and I'm like, well, I don't want to be a policymaker that doesn't know anything about like the basics of language and stuff. So I like went back, did a bachelor's degree in linguistics and, and, and here I am.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. How cool. Um, I love (laughs) hearing about all of this, all of the different ways that language interested you and then how it got you to, to where you are now, Carla. It's so interesting. Um, So how then from your linguistics degree, um, did you find yourself working um, where you are now? Like, how, how? what did that path look like? Uh, okay.
2: So, well, I mean, I guess it kind of started from even before I did the linguistics degree when I was looking at like Indigenous language education. So I kind of had it in my head, like, I, I'm really interested in Indigenous languages. Um, you know, of course, for me, all languages are important, but there's so much work already been done on, like, Japanese, Italian, Spanish, um, and, you know, th- there's understudied languages, like, Indigenous languages, and they are really important, and unfortunately, a lot of them are disappearing at quite a fast rate, so for me, I was like, this, this is what I want to do, I want to focus on this, like, the languages, are so fascinating, so different, they're, they really show you, like, a different uh, viewpoint of the world, so... Um, yeah, I I really had it in mind from when I started the linguistics degree that I wanted to work in this space of linguistics. Um, and then when I finished my degree, I just got a bit bored with my admin job and was like, oh, I'm going to Google linguist jobs. (laughs) And it, it was the one that came up and I was really happy that I I I managed to grab it and I've been here for two and a half years now
0: so it's been a really good experience it's also a big move yeah it was a big move for you as well because you're from if I remember correctly like central yes
2: that's right I uh, um I didn't tell anyone that I was applying for the job because I was like oh well I mean there's probably lots more experienced linguists applying I'm not gonna say anything and then I got the job and they're like, oh, how soon can you come here? And I'm like, mm, two weeks. And so I I just kind of broke it to my family. I was like, oh, oh I applied for another job and I got it. Like, oh, that's so great. Oh, what is it? It's a job as a linguist. Oh, that's amazing. I'm like, yes. And it's in the Northern Territory. And they're like, what? And it's in a remote island and um, <laughs> I'm going to go in two weeks. <laughs> what? <laughs> so- I, I I built them up and, and I just I just <laughs> left within like two weeks of getting the job.
0: <laughs> and what has that what's that been like moving to somewhere that is so vastly different to where you grew up in Australia? Because I mean, it is true, and obviously Penny is on this amazing trip around <laughs> Australia too. And we've just recently been talking on the podcast about how how very different and diverse um, Australia is as a country, um, you know, the difference between being in one of the cities in kind of southern Australia, very, very different to being in the Northern Territory. How What's that been like? It was absolutely really different. (laughs) You can see, like, yeah, it's a
2: different world. Um, At the beginning, I guess I was expecting, like, that I was going to be in the most i was expecting to be like in the middle of nowhere like feel like i'm in the middle of nowhere i was like okay i'm just gonna do it try it see how i like it um but actually um where i live it's quite well resourced in comparison to other remote communities because there is a a big mine here and there's been a mine running here for like 60 years so they actually have like the the town that the mine like partially runs so we, we have all the things that we need. Um, it's, it's expensive, but um, there's not really too much that I, I can't buy here. And also you have online shopping. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it is. Uh, I think the thing that took a bit of time to adjust to, and sometimes it's still a little bit hard, is that I'm so far away from my family. Like our family is really close. And now I have to take, like, two or three flights to get there to see them. Um, so that's that's been a difficult thing for me, I would say. But everything else, mm-hmm. like, uh, the community that I work with, like, they're so lovely to me, and they teach me so much. And I, like, sometimes I go to work, I'm like, am I getting paid for this? Like, this is fun. <laughs> I can't believe that i like... Being paid to do something that I would honestly do for free, like, <laughs> it's amazing.
1: That, that's a sure sign, Carla, that you're in the right yeah. job because, you know, isn't that what we all dream yeah. for? <laughs> um, can you give us a bit of a rundown or example of what, you know, a, a typical day might look like for you in the work you're doing or a typical week like the types of projects that you're working on or where you might travel to well i think
2: uh one of the fun things about this is that there isn't a typical week (laughs) oh it's always something different which is really nice because i think uh i'd get a bit bored sitting in an office doing the same thing every day and i mean i've done that before but I don't know how I'd be able to go back to that. So, I mean, we always have a lot of projects ongoing and we try to have like a lot of community engagement. So, um, so let's just use this week, for example, we recently had a, a book come out this year that um, we'd contributed to. We worked on with a few communities around Australia. Um, it's called Mob Sharing Stories. It's got uh, stories in nine different languages. Um, around the Northern Territory, and they're like all bilingual. Um, so we had a lot of copies of the books to give out to communities. So we've been going to the schools um, to give out some, some copies of the book and read the stories to the children. Um, so that's been really nice. Um, the book also has like little QR codes so you can hear audio uh, in the languages. So that's been really cool. Um, But if we don't have things that we're going out and about um, in the office, we get a lot of translation requests. Um, We're working on like a dictionary project um, because there is a dictionary out there, but uh, we're trying to do a monolingual dictionary. So, I mean, a lot of uh, dictionaries for indigenous languages are like a bilingual one. You you have the indigenous word, you have the English for it. Um, But it would be really good if they had a monolingual one. The way that we have an English dictionary, you can find the definitions English. So, because you know how it is with languages, there isn't always a, a perfect one-to-one translation for a word. So, if you can explain in the language, you can have a better sense of the like the feeling that the word gives, the way that you use the word. Um, so, that's that's a really long-term project. That's <laughs> that's gonna be. Decades. But um like on day to day things, there's like stories that the ladies write. Um and what my role is, I do a lot of like kind of capacity building. So giving like the ladies that I work with the tools to do the the language stuff. So I do like training and translation or when they're writing a story, do a bit of help with um Storyboarding, yes, I can help with storyboarding and oh, stuff. Yes. Yeah, more like a planning kind and training. <laughs> um, so because like me as a linguist here, I I said I, I'm learning everything from zero, right? But the ladies that I work with, they're already experts in the language. Like it really should be them doing all the, all the language work. So I'm giving them mm-hmm. the tools as much as I can. And maybe eventually the Language Center will run... Co- completely indigenous run, there's no need for an outsider. And this happens in a lot of the language centers around Australia that everyone just gets trained up in and then you can work on your own language. And I think that's a really, really good thing. Um, So I feel like I did my job right if I get worked out of my own job. (laughs) That's amazing.
1: Um, Carla, I know you you mentioned that it's the ladies that you work with because am I right in saying that language is women's business? Is that
2: correct? So it's. Um, yeah, a, a a lot of the it, it is associated with women mostly, um, teaching language and things like that. So uh, we we have had like not just ladies before, but at the moment it's it's just ladies that I work with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that is something as well to consider in the island that um, there are some. Things that are like men's business or women's business, and so you have to be aware of these things. Um, that so that can also be a challenge because I I need to learn everything from from the beginning. So, I mean, I guess another challenge was that um, like as as it is when you work anywhere that is not a culture of your own, you're having to to learn all the cultural norms, see what's right, what's wrong. Um, you basically just have to be molded like a baby <laughs> <laughs> to know all these things. Um, and, but I think the main thing is if you keep an open mind and you listen a lot, listening is so important in this context, then then you're going to be fine. Like you, you'll, you'll get by.
0: <laughs> um, Carla, you mentioned earlier that um, actually right at the beginning of our chat um, that the the area that you are in at the moment, Um, the the language there has been relatively well preserved. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and why that is? Um, I think that the
2: isolation of the island has a lot to do with it. Um, Also, it has been relatively recent since there was contact with white people or white Australia kind of thing. It's literally just been 101 years. So... The ladies that I work with, they have, like, their parents remember the time when when they first saw a white man or their grandparents didn't even see them. Like, it's so, it's still quite fresh, like, having this contact between cultures. Um, and so, like, they've really been able to keep the culture strong, keep the language going. And uh, that's, it's been really really a good thing and they're really lucky for that because so many other communities around um, especially that had earlier contact they're currently at a point that they're needing to revive the language from resources that were created like over 100 years ago whereas here I can just be like hey what's the word for this and someone's going to be able to tell me right off the top of their head Um, it's uh, so like the work that we're doing is more of like a at a language maintenance level, so trying to to keep it strong um, rather than having to bring it back. Uh, And also documentation. It it is quite different from, yes, yes, yeah. So there's a lot of written things that we do, like writing stories and, like, making recordings as well. We try to do, like, voice recordings for the stories as well because also another thing is not everyone is literate, so it – needs to be accessible um, for everyone, basically. Are kids able to
1: learn in school and in Like, are they doing in-language
2: kind mm. of classes or additional language content? At the moment, um, not really, unfortunately, but they are currently creating a curriculum for like a bilingual education here. There, there was a few decades ago, they do, did used to have like bilingual education, but I think there was issues with funding and things like that. So it stopped, as it did in a lot of places in the Northern Territory. Um, but that is something that they're working towards again. Um, but there are like plenty of Indigenous um, employees at the schools that they, they still speak with the children in language and the children use it amongst themselves as well. But At the moment, unfortunately, there's not really uh, language classes.
1: And this might be a question that you might get asked a lot or maybe not, but Groot Island, the name, is that some Dutch origin name or where did that come from? Do you know the story, the history behind it? Yeah, Yeah, it
2: is a Dutch (laughs) name. Um, Whichever Dutch explorers were around... (laughs) I think a few centuries ago. Um, yeah, they named it Groot Island and it just means great island oh, yeah. or big island. And it stuck, so, you know, for,
0: it, for actually I think it was Abel Tasman actually oh, who named Groot Island. Yeah, right. But <laughs> well, she got around, didn't yeah. he? <laughs> there you go, that's a good fun fact.
2: Yeah, it just I don't know, there's but they didn't seem to stick around. They just yep. named the island going. and went yep. on their way yeah
0: <laughs> there you go yeah. all sorts of background yeah it is really interesting as well because I remember thinking when you told when you told us a while back now that you were moving to Great Island and I was like is Aylent like island I was like is that where does that come from <laughs> and it was like, oh my
2: goodness it took me forever to even like figure out that it's supposed <laughs> to say island because when I, I applied for the job I just saw it written and it like didn't occur to me that that Word well it's only it's only when you say it, <laughs> it was for, like e- for, the,
0: <laughs> for the benefit <laughs> of everybody uh, listening, so Groot Alant, if you haven't seen it spelt before, Groot is G-R-O-O-T-E Um and Alant is E Y L A N D T. Um hence the so if you when you say it, Alant, it kind of then then you might hear that it sounds like island. Oh, and
2: I'm sure we all like I'm butcher sure it do. as well because none of us speak Dutch. So we're just like Groot Island. Yeah. That's well, what everyone that's in Australia who knows
1: Groot Island would call it because <laughs> Yeah. Well yeah. I just
0: I've just done a very, very quick little search and um apparently that spelling is archaic spelling anyway. So like modern Ooh. Dutch would spell it differently to that. Oh goodness. Um, yeah. So layers, oh, layers interesting. of interesting information here. <laughs>
1: Um before we let you go, Carla, if you were in your yes. shoes, you know, three, four years ago and you were thinking, you know, if you were thinking back to then and someone else was, you know, thinking about a career in l- linguistics particularly, or even in Indigenous language, what advice or what tips would you have to someone
2: who was kind of in that phase? I'll say <laughs> do it. Just do it. <laughs> I mean, like if you're thinking about linguistics in general, there are so many avenues that you can take because linguistics is really broad if you if you love languages, then linguistics is for you. If you want to teach it, there's applied linguistics if you if you're interested in more in text stuff, there's computational linguistics so that deals with like kind of um, programs that do translations and things like that. And even translating and interpreting that comes under linguistics as well. You, if you want to go the more academic path, there's lots of things with uh, syntax, morphology, phonology, phonetics, or if you want to do like more hands-on things, there's community linguistics. And I mean, I'm going to vote for (laughs) community linguistics because (laughs) I, I've had an amazing time here and I'm, I'm really proud of the work that we do um, and you know it really does make a difference and you can see that um, the community that you work with appreciate um, that you're taking the time to learn. Um, it's really a great sign of uh, respect for them so um, if if you're really into cultures, if you're really into diving in, then maybe Community Linguistics is for you.
0: <laughs> Loving your sales pitch um, Yeah.
2: <laughs> Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, I I zero regrets. I'm very happy, um, and there's so many different things that you can do. Um, like, I mean, aside from the books, aside from working with the children, we we have like some songs coming out that are written in language, which is a really cool thing. We're we're doing some translations of some some children's books as well. So having like books that are accessible for English speakers are going to be really accessible for um, Anadiliakwa speakers as well. So, um, you know, bringing everything together and keeping that language strong. It's really... Uh, I, I really enjoyed this job. It's
0: so it's so great to hear you talk about your job with so much passion, and also to see such a particularly yeah. practical um, application of the of what you studied as well. Yes. So well done, Carla. We're very proud of yeah. you too. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, and just related to some of the things you were just mentioning before, too, if people wanted to find out a little bit more about um, some of this work that you are doing, is there somewhere online maybe that people can find out yes. more information?
2: Oh, we do have a Groot Island Language Centre um, website, but it, it needs a bit of update. <laughs> but we do have a Facebook page as well, which we we do post things regularly. So I, th- I think our it's just called the Groot Island Language Centre.
0: No <laughs> we'll make sure there are links so. in the show notes to that. Yes, please.
2: (laughs) That's fantastic,
1: Carla. We really appreciate you giving up your time to come and chat with us on Language Chats. Thank you. That's all right.
2: Thank you for having me. (laughs) And thank you to
1: everyone for listening to another episode of Language Chats. If you've enjoyed this chat with Carla, which I'm sure you have, you might know someone else who might also enjoy listening to it. Please feel free to forward that episode to them. And if you've got a second, we would love
0: to hear from you. And if you have time to leave us a rating review, we would love that as well. And you can also join our community. Um, We have a little community on Facebook too. It's called the Language Lovers AU community. Um, If you want to join that group, then you can come and hang out with some and get in touch with um, some other language lovers in Australia and abroad. Um, If you'd like to find out more information about us, um, you can go to our website, languagelovers.com.au. And we're also in the usual social media places. Um, We're on Instagram, languagelovers.au. And, of course, on Facebook at the Language Lovers AU. Thank you, Carla. Thank (laughs) you. (laughs) So good to have you here on Language Chats again. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, guys.